Hey there, Smodcast supporters and listeners. It's your old pal, Fat Kev Smith. Uh, guess what, man? Uh, it's that season. We're done making movies. We made some movies back to back, so now we're hitting the road with some shows. That's right, man. A Smodco show is heading your way, and I'm here to give you some dates for that before we dive into this week's new episode of whatever podcast you're about to listen to of the 96 that I record daily. February 20th, Jay and Silent Bob get old in Vancouver at the Rio. February 21st, Kevin Smith, an evening with Kevin Smith, that'd be me, in Seattle at the Neptune. February 27th, uh, Hollywood Babylon with Ralph Garman uh, at the Improv on Melrose. February 28th, Jay and Silent Bob get old and an evening with Kevin Smith Q&A at the Ice House in Pasadena. That's two separate events. Tickets for all of these things are available at csmod.com. March 13th, Babel at the Improv again, Melrose. March 14th, there's a evening with Kevin Smith Q&A and a Jane Silent Bob Get Old in Tempe, Arizona at the Tempe Improv. Uh, March 27th, uh, once again, uh, we're back at the Improv on Melrose, but we're doing Jane Silent Bob Get Old at the Improv this time. March 28th, we're doing Education, me and Andy McElfresh, uh at the Ice House in Pasadena. On April 4th, we're doing Jane Silent Bob Get Old in Ontario, California at the Ontario Improv. Uh, on April 11th, we're doing Jane Silent Bob Get Old and a Q&A at the Brea Improv. Uh, April 17th, I'm doing Why Bry with Brian Johnson um, and doing an evening with Kevin Smith Q&A at the Fort Lauderdale Improv. Uh, April 18th, doing Why Bry and evening with Kevin Smith at the uh, Palm Beach Improv in Florida. And then April 19th, we're doing Why Bry in Orlando. That's when I go see my mom. Anyway, there's a bunch of shows if you're in those neck of the woods. Vancouver, Seattle, Hollywood, Pasadena, Arizona, Tempe, Arizona, uh, Ontario, California, Brea, California, Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, Orlando, Florida. Come see a Smod Co. show. Tickets, as always, available at csmod.com. And now, a free Smod Co. podcast for your ear pussy. Geek News Reviews. Commentary. Not just another podcast. On the Ordinary People Podcast. Insert random joke here. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast. This is episode 12, courtesy of Smodco Internet Radio at Smodcast.com. This is Kyle A. Bear coming at you from the West Coast. I am an anime and video game voice actor. And your co-host on the East Coast, Otherworld Steve. I am an amateur historian and a musician. And what we do here, of course, is we... We talk geek, all sorts of geek, pop culture, media, all sorts of shit. We sit here and refresh our phones at least every 30 seconds. Steve thinks I'm a slacker for only refreshing it every 30 seconds. I don't know how fast you're doing it, but, you know, maybe I could just follow in your footsteps. My wife says I do it pretty fast, so I'll take her word for it. Oh, that is literally what she said. Wow. You do it pretty fast, huh? Ew. What's not fast over here is the damn snow. As I've been going on at length last couple episodes, it's been snowing like crazy over here. We, we've had two, we've had three storms now, three storms in three weeks, anticipating more blizzard-like conditions on Friday. So, you know, I'm at the point where Calgon, take me away. <laughs> I always thought Calgon sounded like this really interesting alien creature or something out of Lord of the Rings. Calgon! I like that. I yeah. like that. And Ajax, too. Ajax has a very Viking-type uh, sound to it. Oh, it does. Maybe he's fighting along Thor's side or something. That'd be pretty groovy. God, so uh, a, lot of ha- a lot of shit's gone down this week, yeah? Because you've got like 10 tabs open with, with, with stories that we can talk about today. It's been a fun week. It hasn't Not even like a week. It's been a fun last couple of days. Uh, um, I know there's one topic everybody really wants us to get into really quickly, but I need to, to digress for a moment. I held up the beginning of this show by just a few minutes because I was so thoroughly engrossed in watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on Nickelodeon. Uh, I've been watching this show for a while. My my kids really dig it. I dig it. My wife really even digs it. And I'll go on record as saying, outside of the original Eastman Alert comics, this is the best iteration of the Turtles I have ever seen. Absolutely, hands down. Um, but man, season three gets fucking dark. Like, <laughs> like my wife and kids can't watch it dark. It's fucked up. Um, the season three opener 
it's it's just I don't know. It's the most twisted thing I think I've seen on, on television in a long time. And uh the the villain, I guess, if you want to call it that, or the, the monster of the week. Straight up Jason Voorhees from Camp Crystal Lake. I won't go into any more detail for people who haven't seen it and want to check it out, but hit us up on, on Twitter at BB Broadcast, and uh, you'll agree, definitely. It is right out of Crystal Lake, right on the Friday the 13th. Fucking epic, scary, creepy, weird, deranged, but thoroughly entertaining stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, I've never been a Turtles kind of guy, but I did check out the Nickelodeon show on like the first five or six episodes of season one. So a few years back and it's like, I really liked what they were doing. I mean, I wish it was still, you know, traditional 2d stuff, but you know, CG. Okay. Whatever. But I, you know, I dig the voice acting cause I work in that community and uh, they of course bring it and knock it out the ballpark. And, and the stories are really good. The jokes, the comedy and all that, it seemed pretty lighthearted. It didn't seem to be too dark, but I guess, um, People been, you know, smoking the Chris Nolan bowl and uh, just wanting to to darken things. And um, I had no idea that Turtles would even want to go like that. It's just it's been a great series. Everything I've seen, every episode hasn't disappointed. It's uh, which is weird because I, I always talk about being nostalgic and longing for my youth. And I jumped on board with Turtles. Shortly after they started making some rumbles in the in the comic scene, I've been very fortunate where I'm at, where we've kind of been on the ground floor with a lot of indie stuff. Uh, Tick very early on. Uh, I mean, New England Comics is right here, so our ears kind of to the ground to the indie scene. So I, I've been in the Turtles for a long time, back when they were killing people and wearing Metallica T-shirts and <laughs> different cover, colored headbands or ate pizza. Um so you'd think a purist like me would be like, oh, this has destroyed my childhood and how dare they? But I'm like, fuck no. This is actually pretty awesome. So again, sound off on our Twitter, Facebook. I just, I want to get your response. Am I too high or is this really a great show? <laughs> what I now want to know is since you've got two kids, do you let them watch this since it's gotten dark? Or, and if so, do you get toys for them or do you keep the toys for yourself? This is the first time I've seen the season three opener, which is actually from last year. Um, and no, I don't think this episode in particular, I would let them watch. They would be up all night with nightmares. Absolutely. Uh, I might have nightmares tonight. Nice. Um, we're not very big on collectibles in, in my household. I don't know if it's because I have kids and all my money is always going to different resources, but uh, they did get a couple of the figures of this iteration of the Turtles for Christmas, and they enjoyed them thoroughly. Uh, I think Leonardo lost an arm in combat somehow, some way. But yeah, that, that's really about it for the Turtle stuff. But they they love the show. They they can't get enough of it. They <laughs> lost an arm. Yeah, I guess that goes hand in hand, pardon the pun, with uh, the darker direction of the show, right? They're just going to hack off limbs and have eye patches and shit. You know, that would be interesting. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So, yeah, we had a lot of shit go down, not only just the past week, but the past few days. Now, you got most of you who are listening to this podcast um, are hearing this after the fact. It's pre-recorded. It's streamed uh, a couple days after we record it. But we record our shows on Tuesday nights, and we stream it live, and we have a chat room. Uh, Sir Squirrel in our chat room uh, is listening. It says uh, he or she loves the the latest Ninja Turtles show. Um, I'm going to have to check this out. I, are, is any of this on Netflix yet? I honestly don't know. I'm, I'm not a Netflix subscriber. Um, unfortunately, as I've said, I'm still tied to the cord. I'm a cable subscriber. So I check this out as it airs on Nicktoons on cable. Um, yeah, you got to check it out. The other thing that really had me confused with this episode and, and because we went from me completing that episode right to recording, I haven't looked it up and I'm not going to take the time to do it right now, but something happened with Leonardo. He got his ass kicked. Um, and when he recovered from his injury, they explain it away that his voice is different because he sustained a pretty serious injury to his throat. It sounds to me now that um, Seth Green, mm-hmm. that's um, from Robot Chicken and Family Guy, it sounds like he's now voicing Leonardo. And that's the only thing that kind of is bothering me. It bothered me with that episode, just hearing this uh, totally different take on Leo's voice. And again, that might sound like a purist complaint, but... I, I wonder if something happened with the casting and they had to recast Leo and this is the voice we're going to hear going on. Uh, anyone who's listening to our show is like, uh, I think they had Jason Biggs, right? From American Pie. 
initially. I think he's the one that got replaced. I want to say, and if Sean Astin's there and, um, Greg Sipes, beast boy from teen Titans, Rob Paulson. I'm telling you, he is awesome. Uh, as, um, as Michelangelo, uh, beast boy, it's, uh, I don't know. I we, we need to move on to another topic because I'm just going to gush about this show for the the hour duration. Well, it's a geek podcast, man. You got to gush about something. It's just funny that of, of all the entertainment that's out there and all the great anime that came out last year and everything, and I'm talking about a kid show on Nickelodeon. Hey, the the, the true colors of a show that that's really going to last and 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 connect with people is one that grownups can enjoy too, and apparently this is one of them. So yay. It is. On a side, side, side note, I've also been watching um, Nina and the Neutrons. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a uh, a BBC show. It's kind of like uh, Mr. Wizard, but with a chick, Nina, and her neurons in her brain. Um, if you're a parent with young kids or if you're a young adult yourself, excellent, excellent uh, kid-friendly science programming. I've been watching it during dinner with my kids every night, and it's just so beneficial that my kids get to watch something entertaining and learn stuff as well. And I've even learned a few things. So I'm going to throw that out there too. Nina and the neurons. Oh, that's a new one. I've not heard of that, but uh, I'm checking, uh, watching people scroll by on, on, on our chat. Ray bear says uh, that uh, she hates the new Ninja turtle show, by the way, uh, Robert J did some homework and said, Hulu is where you can find past episodes. At least uh, it looks like episodes four through eight of season three of the new turtles. So at least some, some relatively recent episodes can be found. And, I, and I'm sure Nickelodeon.com hosts that all that stuff too, uh, with, uh, an extreme amount of commercial interruption. Uh, Ray bear also says to gush about the power Rangers. I don't think either of us really gush about that <laughs> or do we, I don't know. It's one of those things where I, that's kind of off the table at my house because it just gets my kids too amped. It's too destructive for all my immediate property. <laughs> so so it's the equivalency of like downing a six pack of Red Bull. Pretty much. And and an eight ball of cocaine. <laughs> That's what you give your kids? Wow, what a great dad you are. <laughs> Just an eight ball, geez, Steve. <laughs> Only one eight ball? Damn. But speaking of interesting old stuff that you can watch with tons of commercial breaks, uh this was news to me today. Didn't know this existed. I think it's still kind of in beta. But Shout Factory launched Shout Factory TV, and it's shoutfactorytv.com. And I was pretty impressed with some of the shows they have streaming for free. Um, it, it's ad-supported, as I did mention. Um, some very, very old stuff. The original Dennis the Menace black and white TV series. Uh, they got the 1939 John Wayne classic Stagecoach. They have more contemporary shows like Home Movies, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, the Gary Sandling show, the Weird Al show, um, some horror, some sci-fi. Um, but yeah, it, uh, another platform to watch really, really cool things absolutely for free. You don't even need to sign up. You just can go to the site, click on what you want to watch. It streams automatically. It is ad supported. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. Oh, and what I forgot to mention, which is probably going to be a big draw for a lot of people, is it currently has over 30 episodes of Mystery Science Theater 3000 streaming. So. Oh, shit. That sounds amazing. At first, you made it kind of sound like it's a it's like a Nick at Night type thing or, you know, some, something like that. And I, when I heard the word Shot Factory, it's like, well, they've made a niche for themselves with um, – with uh, special edition Blu-rays uh, of horror films, and they do up these really fantastic editions. I've got like uh, "They Live" uh, with with new artwork with, uh, from the John Carpenter stuff and Prince of Darkness, and uh, they put out you know the Halloween sequels and the original Halloween as well. But really nice, really nice packaging and tons of cool extras. They put out, uh, I think they put out the the new Nightbreed uh, director's cut of Clive Barker. Uh, which has not been seen, but only rumored and watched in various bad third, fourth generation VHS versions for many, many years. And they culled this together. And uh, that's really interesting that they would uh, get licenses to old shows like that and, and even some obscure ones. But from a lot of people's childhoods or at least younger days, it's like, what? I could watch the old Weird Al show. Who knew? Reboot. 
Father Knows Best is a very eclectic, very weird um, selection here. Yeah, it does kind of feel a little Nick at Nightish, but definitely with the addition of Mystery Science Theater 3000, some really cool things to check out. Um, they also have, right now, very limited, some original programming and some live events. So bookmark your kitties on your tablet, your smartphone, your laptop, whatever, shoutfactorytv.com. Nice. So maybe it'll become its own network like Amazon and Netflix with their own original programming. Whoa, that's crazy. Well, I have to throw this in here now. Uh, so I was saddened by the news of NBC not renewing Constantine. Uh, that's my favorite show of this year, uh, except Walking Dead, which has been going on for years, but my favorite new show of the year. And uh, of course, it's buried deep in programming on Friday night uh, when most people are out partying, I would think. But numbers for Grimm are still higher. So NBC has decided to not renew. They haven't really used the harsh word cancel yet. But um, uh, the rumors come out that uh, uh, there's there's a strong chance that NBC Universal could port it over to Sci-Fi, which they also own. And I think that's a brilliant idea. If you take something that's on a major network and maybe it doesn't do as well, uh, maybe it can, um, do, it can fare better on, on the cable circuit. Um, sci-fi certainly has had its share of successes through the years. I know that, uh, when Battlestar, the reboot, Battlestar Galactica first aired, NBC went ahead and showed the pilot episode of the original, uh, reboot miniseries before it was a full on series. Uh, and then it helped bring people on over to that. And USA Network, I think, is also owned by NBC. So you'd, you'd see like cross promotion on, on various things. Um, but, um, uh, Mr. Haru29 in our chat says, never watch Constantine. Not sure, what sure it is, what, what it is or what it's about. It's based on Hellblazer, DC Comics. John Constantine is basically an occult investigator dealing with, you know, he's basically like Ghostbusters, only serious. He's kind of like a Johnny Rotten punk rocker. Uh, washed up, you know, chain smoking, you know, kind of a dickhead, uh, <laughs> guy who knows magic spells and everything. And he just sits there and, and hobnob with demons and angels and monsters and all sorts of fun stuff. And I just really love the vibe of that show. I could never get into supernatural, which apparently deals with the same thing, but I, I don't know. I just couldn't get into a show that only only women seem to be into and uh, supernatural oh my god they're so cute it's like i want something with a little more edge a little more bite to it and uh, constantine's pretty graphic and pretty dark with it with its religious imagery and gore factor and everything and it's like i'm surprised it's not getting yanked just for that but uh with cable fare such as walking dead doing so well a lot of networks are going darker and, and pushing the boundaries of that th that sort of thing so um, the other rumor is that they would retitle the show Hellblazer to, to make it even more in line. And unlike the Keanu Reeves movie, Constantine, where they changed the character entirely to, to what it was, which I thought it was a really, really good movie in its own right, but not faithful to the original DC comics character who is this chain smoking Brit. They got a Welsh actor, Matthew, Br Matthew Ryan to, to play him, the character. And they, they brought things just to life beautifully. Uh, if you want to read more about the character, I suggest picking up DC Comics Hellblazer and then uh, check out the episodes for free on NBC.com or if you have Hulu, that's how I watch it, uh, Constantine. So hopefully we'll uh, see uh, the, the power of hashtag save Constantine and the fans uniting uh, and we can see that show resurrect uh, elsewhere, but by the same company. I'd be OK with that as long as it's still there. I haven't ever watched it, but man, you do make it sound like supernatural. <laughs> Only they're not as pretty. They're not as handsome. Oh my god! Oh the emos! Oh the angels! And this, that, and the other. Uh, no, no, it's pretty dark. It's it's uh, it's really good. It's interesting to watch the struggle that the censors deal with on NBC. He's a chain smoker, yet you almost never see the character smoke. He's got a cigarette that he's waiting to light in, in the middle of a conversation or it's lit, but he doesn't puff a drag off it or anything. He's only done that a couple of times in the whole show. And um, something else that they deleted and changed in the character is the fact that the character is bi. And I knew that wasn't going to fly on network TV. No, but if it goes over to sci-fi, then maybe some of those elements of the characters can become a little more apparent. What's interesting is um, I always think about Futurama when Fox tanked it and it got picked up by Comedy Central, they were rebroadcasting the, the reruns and then ended up picking it up for new seasons. And I thought that was a very interesting take to see a lesser known cable network pick up one of these bigger network shows. So 
as you uh, drew the conclusion, if it went to sci-fi, yeah, it could certainly be. Now, my question to you is, do you think that would be an agreement where they can bring the cast over as well and, and some of the, the production crew, or is this something they'd have to start anew with? I would assume everything could just pour it over. I mean, it's all owned by NBC. It's that they're the parent company, NBC and Comcast and Universal. They're all in bed together. So I don't see a reason for there not to have continuity between uh, at least the cast side of things. Well, here's hoping. I know you really enjoy the show and you've done what you could to save it. So I don't know. My condolences and my best wishes at the same time. There you go. And uh, Ray Bear in our chat said, Cartoon Network save Family Guy. That is a very good uh, case of that. Um, don't know if it's a good case. But... <laughs> yeah, there's that. There's that. But uh, speaking of um, the new networks, as it were, Netflix is uh, looking into uh, something. Now, is, is this rumored or, or what? The whole Zelda thing. What, what's the scoop on that? My takeaway from the Wall Street Journal article is that it's kind of an unconfirmed rumor at this point. Um, a Netflix folks were bleh, let's try that again. A Netflix spokesperson declined to comment, and a Nintendo spokesperson said the company quote doesn't comment on rumors and speculation. Now, I don't know if this is because it's something they don't want too much getting out too early, or if this is in fact just um, a fan delusion. But the rumor, as it stands right now, is that The Legend of Zelda is in works for a television show at Netflix, and it's going to be live action, streaming. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to get too into this and waste a lot of time if it just turns out just to be a rumor. But the biggest thing is, if, if this was true, if this was going to happen, it's something that would still take a while to develop. So it's not something you would see probably for at least another two years. So if you are excited about Zelda coming to Netflix, eh, you probably get a 24 to 36 month wait before we would even see any of that. But we'll, we'll report back if we hear more. It could just be a rumor. My biggest, uh, my biggest negative against this sort of thing happening isn't the fact that it's not a good idea. I think it's a fine idea if it's true, but the, the, uh, the, the reality side of it is Nintendo has no interest in making th I mean, this has been their stance ever since the god awful Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, the huge misfire that it was, the, the troubled production, the, the low box office numbers and just the fucking just shit pile of, of a movie that, that it is. Nintendo pretty much swore off any more cinematic adaptations now is this a different spin because oh no no this is this is internet tv this is internet distribution it's it's a different ball game than a cinematic one i'm not so sure about that but i know that they're they're gun shy and very very protective of their own characters it seems nintendo kind of has a conundrum and it's a uh two problems on each side of the coin and the first is first a question if nintendo needs something like this does nintendo need better PR. They need more brand awareness. I mean, Nintendo is what Nintendo is. Everybody knows those characters. Everybody knows those stories. They're so in, in entrenched and ingrained in our culture that I don't think Nintendo really needs um, animated shows or live action shows to, to boost their product awareness. And the second is, you know, as you said, of course, they, they got really burned with the Mario movie. Um, so yeah, maybe it's it's a lower risk, but I don't I don't know what the reward is. If Marvel, if Disney can bring superhero characters to Netflix exclusively and and start a series there, it certainly opens the door for a lot of people. Um, again, I can see that being beneficial for Disney. I I don't know. What, do you think Nintendo needs more brand awareness? <laughs> I don't. I don't think they need to do any i think they're doing just fine now maybe maybe the wii u isn't quite the the knock it out of the ballpark success that they were hoped it would be but they do own the the portable market i mean 3ds is still still a, a huge huge thing um although i found the the rumor exciting that maybe nintendo was looking into at least expanding into the mobile market because, you know, mobile apps and games seem to be like the latest thing. People with short attention spans, we don't want to spend hours playing a game. We want to be able to play something short, fast while we're, you know, waiting on our friends to show up at the coffee shop or maybe we're, we're killing time on a plane or something. Um, 
And I'd be okay with that. But the only downside is would it pillage their own sales or, or you know, uh, kind of just defeat its its own business model? Well, you know, that thought was going through my head exactly where they, they're they known, I think, at this point more for their hardware than their software when it comes to the portable market with the 3DS and everything. Um, and you also have PlayStation. I don't know if they're still supporting the PSP or not. But at least they they had a portable platform. Um, does Microsoft have ever have anything any portable gaming whatsoever? No, there were rumors they were going to go that way. Uh, all they have is an app, um, so you can like check your Xbox Live status and and this that and the other with uh, with the app for 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 smartphones and tablets and everything. But I don't think they've. Uh, ever just pulled the trigger and said, yeah, we're going to make our own handheld. I don't, I don't think that would be a wise decision for anyone at this point. It just seems like two completely different markets to me. The people who develop phone, uh, apps and games for the mobile devices, and then you have your console games, your, your Sony, your, your Nintendo, your Microsoft. I'm a little surprised nobody's made that transition yet. But yeah, they could be cutting off the nose despite their face. If uh, If you have mobile games and you have mobile gaming devices, does it make sense to have apps? I mean, I'm the type of person that says, fuck yeah, double dip, why not? Have some 99 cent phone and tablet apps. You're not losing anything in the process. If you have games, kind of like what Steam does with with, with their Greenlight program and everything, if you have things that are on the cusp, maybe it's not quite a PS4, not quite an Xbox One title you feel very comfortable with, rather than put it on your online network, Put it out as a portable app, as as a little thing. Make a few extra bucks on the side. That's my two cents on it. And it's a good two cents. I'm I'm on board with that. I, I don't think the I don't think it's going to stop people from, you know. I mean, it gives consumers options. That's what I like the most is people having that option. I've never liked uh, console exclusivity. I don't like the fact that your online player list, if you have it for PS4, then all your Xbox friends are shit out of luck. I don't like that. I like. If this, if this game is in development from a company, especially the, I mean, okay, I get it. If, a, if Sony makes its own game, that's fine. Microsoft makes its own game. Nintendo makes its own game. But a lot of these are third party developers and they have their games available on all consoles. So they make their money based on, you know, whatever people buy it for. And so that's done. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a, a tech issue. I'm not sure, but. I would love to have that playability, you know, people from, you know, Steam and PC be able to play people on PS4 and whatnot. I don't know what the, what the hang up is. If it's, you know, everyone just getting greedy with, uh, we want proprietary bullshit, humph, humph, humph. I, I don't really know what the holdup is. I think you hit the nail on the head exactly. I think it's all just money grubbing proprietary bullshit. <laughs> there you go. And that's tweetable at BB Broadcast. Money grubbing proprietary bullshit. We're not big proponents of that. Um, <laughs> but um, speaking of what Sony, for example, is doing in their uh, market, you've got some news that caught my eye uh, regarding the PS4. Now, I have a I have a 4K television. I got a great deal on a Sony, as a matter of fact. But it, it's, it's not going to do what uh, your story is about here. Let's, let's hear about this one. Well, let me preface this by saying everything I'm going to say in this article is the same thing about the Zelda series on Netflix. Okay. Uh, it, it's kind of a maybe. And if it does happen, it's not going to be for a couple of years. Okay. But Neil Hunt, Netflix chief production officer, stated that Sony, quote, promised to include support for 4K video and high dynamic range technology in a revised PS4 console. Now, Mr. Hunt revised his statement later on to say, well, yeah, that would probably naturally also include Microsoft and the Xbox One, and this would all be contingent on when they release their next iteration of those consoles to the market. It's not a software issue, but it's definitely a hardware issue. So whenever they decide to make those changes and get them to market... Um, Netflix, Netflix, um, they're speculating perhaps before the end of 2015, which doesn't seem realistic at all. Geek.com says it's probably going to be around uh, 2017 when you can be able to buy a 4K PS4. Now, my question to you, because I know you're a big fan of the 4K, is 
is it going to make that big of a difference? Are you going to notice a, a tremendous difference in your gaming with the television you're looking at and with it being displayed at 4K? I'm going to say no, because the 4K TVs already natively upscale content anyway from, from 1080p, and it looks fantastic. I do notice a difference between uh, a regular 1080p display and a 4K uh, regardless of whether it's live action or, or especially animation really, really pops. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I'm not so sure that I would necessarily go for rebuying the console just because it's 4k friendly. That seems like, you know, eh, I don't know if you, if you don't have a 4k monitor by the time it comes out and you're going to invest in one, then, and you don't have a PS4 yet, then that seems like a, like a bigger, uh, substantial list of benefits, but for the, for the current gen, you know, I've got an Xbox one, I've got a PS4 games on both look fantastic and, and they're just simply upscaled and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, my concern is a while back we, we had that next gen format war. We had HD DVD versus Blu-ray and some people backed HD DVD, some people back, backed Blu-ray people with money, backed both. Um, but in the end, we had that one vector, and that was Blu-ray. The biggest concern in, in the, the tech community right now is, is 4K a standard? Is that going to be a standard with any longevity? Are we still going to be touting 4K in 2017, if that's in fact how long it takes for this new hardware to get in the market? It, it could be a, a misstep for both companies if they're going to jump in and back this new uh, definition, if that's not going to be the case. Now, I read earlier, and I forget exactly what article and what, what website, so I apologize, but they're talking about how one company now has found a way to pretty much double that, where you can have 8K, possibly 10K resolution. Um, so three years down the line, it, it may be kind of a joke for them to say, now we're supporting 4K, and you're like, oh, well, I just bought a 10K TV. <laughs> yeah and i know consumers get sick of it. it's like i just upgraded my equipment and now you're gonna like oh now we can we need 8k now we need uh 15k now we need, oh fuck you gotta just stop at some point right um mr haru in our chat says we still have a war because pc gamers can't shut the fuck up about frame rates um you know people are loyal to what they're they want to be loyal to that's fine there's people that say oh yeah you can only play a, a first person shooter with a keyboard and a mouse I argue that you're going to play whatever you like to play the way you've been playing it the most. In my case, a controller and, and a console. That's just what I'm used to. I don't know why the argument still exists. I mean, do what you love and, and have fun doing it. But there, There's no sense in shaming or, or being angry with people that don't do it your way. It's kind of reminiscent of the, the dubs versus subs argument. There's no argument. Watch it or play it or enjoy it the way you enjoy it and just shut the fuck up if you don't like how anybody else is doing it. I know there's people out there that are still rocking their cathode ray tubes, you know, the, the big, thick, heavy ass full TVs. No more, fl no flat screen monitor, all in, in blistering 480p in its nice, fuzzy, standard def glory. As I said, I still have tube TVs. <laughs> not the most discerning geek out there. <laughs> are they, are they, they're not flat screen? They're actually full TV monitors? I have uh, one flat screen, two TV monitors, and one LCD, which is the kids. So the kids are enjoying, I don't know, 720. The wife and I, <laughs> it's blurry tube. Blurry tube. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was, back when I was on Radio Disney, uh, I was a DJ before, back in the mid-90s up until 2005, and the big argument for for uh, children's programming being on the AM dial was that kids couldn't notice a difference. <laughs> I was like, well, you can either hear it or you can't with AM stations and the static and all that. It may be a little bit different as long as they can see a picture like with VHS standard def works just fine. And uh, like you were saying a few episodes ago, when you took your son to go watch Guardians of the Galaxy, he took his 3D glasses off midway through, right? It's like, it doesn't have to be the latest and greatest tech to, to impress a kid. I don't think kids care, um, really, at the end of the day. And 
I really don't watch anything that enthralling where booping up, bumping up the resolution is going to make a difference with me. Um, the story, the, the character arcs, the motivations, that, that's what drives me. Um, and whether or not I dig a show, I, I, as I've said before, I don't need to see, uh, pores and pimples and, and moles to be impressed with, uh, today's technology on television. Well, especially since the porn industry seems to drive the, the higher def format wars and, uh, <laughs> more people went with Blu-ray because they wanted to watch their, their, uh, their dirty shit that way. And of course the porn industry and Hollywood itself are like, man, we got to spend more money on makeup to cover up all the blemishes. And now they're talking about Oculus porn. Uh, that's just too far for me. <laughs> oh my God. Literally fucked. What the Oculus rift porn? Really? Uh, well, there's, there's a will, there's a way. I, I guess it beats fucking robots. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, you fuck robots, then you gotta, it's gonna short circuit shit at some point, right? The, oh, never mind. We could get really gross, but I guess we won't. Not. Hey, talk about fucking robots. Let's jump right into Astro Boy. Yeah, let's, let's fuck some robots. <laughs> Astro Boy. <laughs> God. So that came out a few years ago as a, as a CG animated movie. I think Nick, Nick Cage was in that. Of course, based on the original sixties, one of the earliest anime series out there. I don't know. I mean, I, there's some people now who think it's a good idea to keep Astro Boy alive and <laughs> bring him to the big screen as a live action film. Um, the, the folks, the folks making Astro Boy are saying this is a quote from Topless Robot. Um, we've seen him in manga and anime and an animated movie, but we've never seen him as a live action in a live action movie or him as a superhero. And uh, they also go on to say, we actually see him as the in the same league as Iron Man now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, everything has its fandom, and I, I respect that. But like there is with the anime market, it, it only has so much appeal. Yes, the people who love it will buy it. They'll buy anything with that name on it, that brand on it, and they will support it. But is the numbers there enough to justify the production of it? If you look at it historically, like that last iteration with, with the big movie star cast and everything CG animated, you know, millions of dollars blown, return box office receipts, pretty much non-existent. Uh, is it old school love? Yeah. Is it, is it a nod to it? Yeah. But I mean, God, live action interpretations of anime. Everyone knows that this is just not a formula that works. We've seen Dragon Ball Evolution. We've seen Speed Racer. And ev and most everyone just shakes their heads in and just saying, hey, hey, anime, just stay anime. Stay in the form that you were created in and stop trying to cross over into other things. I understand the greed. I understand. And it does work in some things, a.k.a. Marvel. And it does translate into box office gold. But, man, some things just be left the fuck alone. And for some reason, and I apologize in advance to our listeners, this has become a, a dual announcement, so to speak, because there's also news about a Robotech uh, slash Macross. <laughs> Don't know which, which route they're going with. Live action film. This one is um, getting a little bit further in development. And apparently Michael Gordon, who wrote G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, is uh, also writing this film. So there's a pedigree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this uh, is this still the one that uh, I think Toby Maguire is supposedly attached? I mean, he was as of a few years ago. Was mentioned that hey, we got Toby Maguire on board. I don't know. Um, you know, as long as we're not getting that Akira film with Keanu Reeves, I'll be more than happy to accept this. Yeah, or, or Leo DiCaprio's company, I guess, had the had the rights to that, or the live action Bebop that I think Keanu wants to make. Oh God, when will they learn? <laughs> Nah, Keanu can just stick to other things and occasionally have a hit like John Wick, which I want to rent because everyone says John Wick kicks ass. I've seen a couple of scenes. It's got some killer gunplay in it and everything. It's like, okay. You know, yeah, he comes out with a lot of duds, but once once every decade or so, he comes out something that he's perfectly suited for. The thing with me is Astro Boy's been around forever. I remember when I was working overnight shifts and watching the – uh old black and white Astro Boy uh, redub cartoons on, on Cartoon Network. But honestly, it's not a property that perme permeated our culture. My kids don't know who Astro Boy is, so I don't think you can have that 
hype with today's youth, you know, as opposed to being another property like Star Wars, something from Marvel. They're they're more tangible, more recognizable. It's like Astro what? You know, unfortunately the same thing with Robotech. So it's kind of an uphill battle, even if they were well produced, well funded movies. Yeah, you know what? Another thing comes to mind when we talk about a live action Astro Boy, we had a CG version of of 1010 a property basically unknown by today's generation hell i don't even really know what it is and i had no interest in checking out the movie nor into looking into the original uh source material for 1010 and i know that it was as a project a labor of love and a lot of uh, effort and studio marketing and all that and it still wasn't enough to save it we grew up with peanuts do you have any excitement for the charlie brown movie coming out this christmas uh, yes and no. I mean, I kind of like the animation style that they're going for and, and, and the mood, but, um, you know, there's something about that, you know, like, can you capture lightning in a bottle like that? I'm not so sure. Cause they're going to, they're going to tweak it and make it have some sort of modern appeal. And that's where they kind of turn off at least the old gen people. There are a lot of people now that don't know what peanuts is. And I can see that they're trying to do the same thing. Take the, that beloved nostalgia factor and uh, let's say, okay, well, let's appeal to these kids, parents and grandparents. And they're the ones that are going to be yanking them into the theater, hopefully, and spending all that hard money uh, on this. And hopefully they'll make it. It'll be a cash grab. And, and it did work. It did work, you know, even though people roll their eyes at it. But, you know, Garfield, it made enough money to have a sequel. You know, otherwise people don't know the, what the fuck a comic strip is anymore. It's like, oh, it's a comic strip. A comic book? No, 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 that's different. This was a daily thing running newspapers. What the fuck's a newspaper? Yeah, okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and pretty soon, I've talked about this before, pretty soon we're going to be saying, what the fuck's a comic book? Um, I don't know why the transition into digital hasn't hurt the comic market more. And I'm not saying I want it to by no means. Um, but I, I worked in print magazine. Um, I, I worked on anime magazines and that market dried up as the advertisers were pulling money because everything was shifting more online. Newspapers are having a really hard time. But a lot of them are, are supporting their websites with, um, paid content if you actually want to read through the paper and the articles i'm surprised it hasn't hurt the comic market yet but there are some people out there that are trying to make this happen <laughs> um i don't know we, we we've talked about this before kyle you and i um about if you had a preference to buying the books or reading them digitally well scribbed I, I don't know if you're familiar with scribbed but um, they have books and magazines available for a subscription service that you can check out on their website. They just they're announcing um, a big merger, not a merger, but I guess um, I don't even know what the fuck I'm I'm trying to say here. Um, <laughs> a working relationship with a bunch of other publishers, including uh, Marvel, Archie, Boom Studios, uh, Dynamite, IDW, Top Shelf, Top Cow. Valiant, bunch of publishers, and if you notice, kids, I've left DC off the list because they're not involved with this yet. Uh, but what they're, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be making available a bunch of older titles, um, some of the very old Iron Man and Avengers and Hulk and Spider-Man right from the, the Silver Age, and also including some of the newer titles. Unfortunately, with the new titles, they're not going to be seen online until about a month after physical publication. But they will be made available about four weeks later. And for an eight ninety nine a month subscription fee, you can go to Scribbit and read as many books as you like. There's no limit on the number of books that you read. I don't think you can download them. I think it's only kind of a streaming from their server type deal. But it's kind of the best of both worlds. If you want to catch up on some of the older exploits of your favorite characters that you're seeing on the big screen now, you have a bunch of titles from their uh, – original stories right up to some of the more newer stuff. I think it says somewhere in the article that ultimate Marvel books won't be included right now, but I think once Disney starts making some money from this agreement, you might see more and more titles pop up. Another program kind of in beta. Again, DC hasn't said anything about being part of it yet, but you have Valiant, Top Cow, Archie, a bunch of other studios. So if you want to save yourself a trip to the comic shop and spend probably a lot less than you spend in the comic shop to read a lot more. This could be something you're looking for. There you go. Now, tomato, tomato. When I saw the name of this service, which is basically Netflix for comic books, I read it as scribed as in subscribe, but it could be scribed. I don't know. It'd be my 
Rizzo's a little fuzzy right now, but uh, <laughs> S-C-R-I-B-D. So, scribed. I, I like that. Um, scribed? Yeah, you think that's what? Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think? Do you, is this something where you, you're probably spending more than nine bucks a month on your comics easily so. just a new ep- a new 52 uh issue of batman typically like 4.99 and then i read guardians of the galaxy that's another 4.99 so bam two things and you know if i'm willing to wait at least a month that sounds like the red box model with a lot of movie studios so they don't um uh lose dvd blu-ray sales through the rental market they have that little window. So for the patient folk who don't want to read the newest stuff on day and date release and all that, this does sound like a really good compromise for that. I'm also reading from uh, the description of this service of scribed or scribbed or whatever. Uh, most titles will be offered as collections or standalone graphic novels as opposed to individual issues. So the idea of binge reading, just like binge watching with Netflix, uh, this, this sounds like a really, really good compromise for those with a tight wallet. Now, do you find any appeal in having some of the really older stuff available, or do you feel that, especially with Marvel, with their cinematic universe, it doesn't necessarily reflect too much on the history that it's kind of not worth it? I think uh, I, I think the price is just right, uh, especially offering this this deep archive. Marvel has an unlimited service. I forget what they charge. But you can, uh, you can basically read whatever you want. It's all, and it is pretty much mostly archived older stuff. Um, but you know, sometimes you feel like, um, getting, um, getting caught up on reading continuity. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm only reading the current generation of Guardians of the Galaxy, but I know it'd be cost prohibitive to sit there and buy all these old trades or, or, or collections online. Now I go through the Marvel app and the DC app and then comiXology on Apple side of it uh, is only a reader because of Apple's terms and conditions and all that. So I can't buy through comiXology, but basically comiXology works with Apple, um, uh, Marvel and DC for their stuff. And then it's basically a comic book reader. But yeah, I mean, what I, what I spend, it just becomes a question of, do you think you're going to buy it again? Do you have enough disposable income to go ahead and say, all right, I'm going to buy these new 52 titles, which that in itself is going to get blown up too, right? The DC reinventing that or Marvel reinventing everything every few years. Um, uh, for those, and there are those people out there that are the same with movies. It's like, I'm okay renting it and watching it once or twice and then never again. Uh, and then other people are like, no, I like to have it on my shelf. I like to keep it forever. And that's what I've been doing so far because there hasn't been a service like this. This makes me kind of stop, uh, kick back and, and think about that. It's like, man, I, I could save a fucking shit ton of money and I could still have access to it. Just, just like Netflix and Hulu, but just have my comic books on demand like that. Because it's been so hard for me in my local community to identify a decent comic shop. Um, it's, it's kind of been my primary hindrance to keeping up regularly with comics for somebody who's kind of just been on the peripheral of the comic industry. It, it's a little tempting for me for and nine bucks a month, I think is really reasonable for the archive. And again, that's not just access to the comics. That's for everything else as well. Every other um, service they have, the eBooks, the audio books, magazines, periodicals, so you do get a lot more bang for your buck. And uh, hmm. Just hearing you talk about it makes me more interested about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at our chat room here, uh, which we uh, promote each uh, Tuesday night when we record at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, follow us at, at BB Broadcast, and you'll be able to join the chat room and hear our live audio stream as we record our new episodes. DW Fanboys Inc. says, It's hard for me to buy digital because the price is mainly only a dollar less than getting it in flippy. Plus I do like to actually flip through the pages. I use comiXology mainly for research on late nights when a shop may not be open, but Marvel subscription is pretty good for the price. Eh, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, I converted years ago to, uh, from, from hard copies and going to new comic day in the shop, which I still enjoy. I like going into a, a brick and mortar store and seeing things and, and going through and finding the, the mintest copy you can and buying a bag and board and all that. But 
I'm trying not to be as much of a hoarder nowadays and trying to pare down all the crap I have. And I have a considerable load of it Um, rather than keeping a a shit ton of long boxes in the apartment. It's so much easier to have it just in in the cloud. I concur. 110%. Oh, he said flippy. Uh, He he meant floppy, not flippy. It's like, what the fuck's a flippy? (laughs) And getting it in floppy. I haven't reached in my box and pulled out a book in forever. So the need for having it physically, the, the demand just isn't there for me anymore. Yeah, it's nostalgic, but I, I think we come from a different time. We, we lived in that speculator's market, and a lot of people lost tons of money, but some people made a little bit. When I got out, I got out at the right time, and I ended up making some decent coin in the process. Um, Sigmund 88 says the cloud makes it easier to clean but harder to sell. It's like, so yeah, if you're buying shit to just resell, you're not going to really have that in a, in a, in a digital realm. There was that person a couple of years ago that was trying to start a business to resell your MP3s. And I'm pretty sure the law came down pretty hard on them. So yeah, I, I don't foresee reselling your digital downloaded comics. <laughs> all right. So we got some more Marvel news. Uh, all female Avengers. Right. Uh, they're trying to say, how can we get this? Now they did this a few about last year. They launched an all female X-Men title. And I don't know how well that, that sold, but, uh, apparently they want to try this again with Avengers. So I guess the premise here is during Marvel secret wars, all the Avengers teams, all the existing Avengers teams are going to disband and to fill this void is going to be an all females Avengers team. Now, surprisingly, this was announced on The View, um, which for those of our listeners who don't know, it's an all-female daytime talk show. Um, so they announced this, and uh, the team will, will feature a variety of fan-favorite superheroes from the Marvel multiverse, from She-Hulk to Captain Marvel to Medusa, a bunch of other characters, and there's going to be a new, newly created character for this arc, who will be a cosmic-based heroine called Singularity. My issue here, and and please allow me to digress just for a moment, there's been a lot of backlash on Marvel. There's been a a lot of backlash on Marvel and DC recently about their portrayal of women in comics and the lack of marketable images for women in the real world. And Marvel really gets the brunt of it because of the Avengers. You have Black Widow as a member of the Avengers. Yet anywhere you go to uh, pick up merchandise, even mundane, banal things like uh, birthday party supplies, you have all the depictions in the world that you want of Captain America and Hulk and Iron Man and, and Thor, but Black Widow can't be found. So I don't know if this is Marvel answering that female backlash um, trying to, to satiate that a little bit. But at the same time, it's very interesting to see where it's going to go. I don't know if it's getting kind of old. Like you said, you have the all-female X-Men team. We have a female Thor in the, the comic universe now. So I don't know how much of this is pandering and how much of this is kind of legitimately the direction Marvel wants to go in with their comics. Well, we're going to know in, in a few months when A-Force hits uh, the stands and digital in May. Oh, boy. A-Force. What a name. That just makes me think of X-Force, and X-Force was no X-Men. It was all right. It was all right. Like Alpha Flight? (laughs) Like Canadian X-Men, eh? (laughs) The Defenders? Sure. (laughs) Oh, my God. Mr. Haru in our chat says, I get why this is important, but I kind of want to not deal with this. Why aren't there more women sort of thing in my hobbies? I deal with it too plentiful as a gamer, so hearing it in comics, ugh. I don't know the demographic. I really can't speak to it. I don't know uh, how many little girls or, or young women have an affinity for superheroes and wish that their gender was more represented. I mean, kind of in fairness, not to sound sexist, but I mean, the, the superhero genre was for young boys. That's what it was created for. And uh, everything else just seems kind of shoehorned in after that trying to appease and appeal and, and whatnot. So I don't know having a penis. I'm, I'm not the right person to present the other side of the argument. Right. Yeah. Now there's that interesting dichotomy of are people interested in the first place to even see this? And if they are, 
are the stories going to be up to snuff? Because a bad comic is a bad comic, and you can't really say, oh, it's bad because of of the gender of, of the superhero. I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Uh, Ray Bear in our chat says, okay, people don't understand when these comics came out, it was in those days where women were seen in different ways, and as the times changed, so did the image of women, which is a good thing. Uh, she says, as a woman, I honestly like the way they have the female heroes. You know, my, my only issue in that regard, and it goes for both genders, is for the most part, and I understand there are some exceptions, especially with some of the indie uh, books, but but with the big uh, tentpole companies, you still have the idealized uh, physical depictions of what men and women should look like, you know, really muscular, really attractive, really sexy. So even with the equal sex representation, it's still a very unnatural and unfair representation for the reader base. Yeah, there you, there you go. Um, and uh, I would say lastly on our big show, we're going to save the best for last, the biggest news that everyone on social media was going on and on about. I'll read a tweet that we did get from Charlie Gardner at BB broadcast. He said, Spider-Man reboot. No, not that one. The other one. There's a lot these days. This is, we're talking about Spider-Man coming under the fold of Marvel slash Disney. Finally. This is kind of a big deal. We've heard the rumors. We've heard the rumblings for a while. Now, I pull this directly from Marvel.com because I was just so blown away that this announcement was made. I had to go right to the source. And Marvel's saying, under the new deal, Spider-Man will first appear in a Marvel film from Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, this is yesterday's actual press release. Uh, today's more detailed release does state that the first appearance of Spider-Man in a Marvel film will, in fact, be in Captain America um, Civil War. So that's a confirmation from Sony and from Marvel that Spider-Man will appear in that movie. Now, Spider-Man is also still going to have a Sony-released film in July of 2017. Eh, for whatever that's worth. Um, but this film is going to be co-produced by Kevin Feige and his expert team at Marvel and Amy Pascal, who oversaw the franchise launch from the studio 13 years ago. And together they're going to actually collaborate <coughs> and create in a creative direction for the web slinger and uh, Sony pictures as part of this agreement will continue to finance, distribute own and have final creative control of the Spider-Man films. And what I'm hearing is that Andrew Garfield will have no, no involvement in this. You know, that was kind of my first thought reading the article this morning was, man, Garfield's Twitter must be blown up by now. Everybody like, you know, Mike Condolce's brother, because it's, yeah, he's just not going to happen. Yeah, I feel for the guy, but, you know, wouldn't it be cool to see it go back to Tobey Maguire and the original crew? At this point, I think it would be a blessing. Now, what's also um, kind of interesting about this deal is that they're also going to be looking at the reverse about how Disney can include <coughs> Marvel characters from the cinematic universe into the Spider-Man franchise and Sony. A lot of people are, are arguing Sony um, and uh, Marvel haven't commented outright yet, but I'm pretty sure they they will in the near future, that a lot of the announced films, the Sinister Six, six spinoff and, and whatnot, that those are probably all dead in the water under the, the new terms of this agreement. I'm not sure what the next film was supposed to be coming out in uh, July of 2017, but it might be a soft reboot at this point um, because of, of Disney slash Marvel's involvement on what's going to happen with the character going forward. Now, just to reiterate... Sony still owns Spider-Man, unfortunately. This is just kind of a collaboration. It's probably a big cash share because Sony really needs the money after the bomb that Amazing Spider-Man 2 was. Um, but I think Disney's going to have a lot more of a say in how the character is portrayed than what Sony's really letting on to right now. All right. So while a lot of the headlines got people really, really excited, it's more of a compromise in the end. It's just like Sony and Disney kind of shaking hands begrudgingly and some under the table cash exchanging hands and everything. It's not totally. It's like, no, we're not giving up Spider-Man. We're not. There's Sony's just like Iwo Jima, man. We're not, we're not giving up. What's interesting is because Marvel Cinematic Universe has definitely had a, sl a harder slant towards the ultimate universe. Uh, some speculation is that maybe we may not see Peter Parker as Spider-Man in this new iteration from both Sony and Disney. It might be Miles Morales. Ooh. 
Interesting. That would be new. So maybe we wouldn't have to watch the same damn origin yet again. As I'm still hoping is that's great. Now you're going to have Spider-Man in civil war. Let's not get into origins. I don't even want to see him with a mask off. I'd be happy if we get 10 minutes of Spider-Man being Spider-Man. And I I would walk out of that theater with a giant smile on my face. Keep the mask on. Damn it. I don't care how power Rangers ask. It looks keep the mask on. Damn it. If you think about it, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe outside of Iron Man, he will be the first masked superhero, like truly masked, where his identity is being kept secret. Oh, man. Good stuff. Well, dude, it looks like we are are totally out of time. We had a lot of shit to talk about tonight, man. There's stuff we had to leave on the wayside for next week, but... It was well worth it. It was a hell of a week. The Spider-Man announcement is huge. Absolutely. And shout outs to everyone who listened in as we recorded this episode. DW Fanboys, Inc., Hero004, Mr. Haru, Ray Bear, Robert J., and Sigmund88. And of course, all you guys, boys and girls in Smodco land, listening to us out here on Smodco Internet Radio and Smodcast.com. We'll do it again next week. Uh, Hope you'll join us same time, same channel, and all that shit. Until next time, this is Kyle Bear, And this is Other World Steve. See y'all. Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast. And email thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.